It's been said that social enterprises are 10 times harder to build. You're not only seeking financial sustainability, but also environmental, social and cultural sustainability. It can be a minefield. There are many social innovators taking the leap and pursuing the dream. What are the tools, experiences and mindsets that drive them? Why are they doing it and how do they stay the course? That's the job of this podcast, Impact Sessions, a podcast dedicated to unpacking the leaps of faith of social innovators and creating a resource for the next wave. I'm your host, Andy Crow. Let's get the session started. Tui and Sruti, thanks heaps for, um, for showing up on Impact Sessions. Um, yeah, i um, really been intrigued uh, by the work. Um, and one of the things we didn't do in our preempt is that um, Tui and I, yeah, like, I don't know, through a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, met each other. I think it was mainly through how Louise and Rui met. Mm. And then I think in the early days of whatever this project's become. Mm. Um, Actually, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, we brainstormed a bit. And then um, I just remember that when I push record. But that's all good. Um, I think what would be pretty cool is, um, yeah, just to find out about you guys. Um, and I and the question I have is, you know, like, who are you? Um, and, yeah, and I think... Um, a question I've been also like mulling over is like, what's your craft? So like, what's the thing that you're really good at? Um, and then that'll be cool, yeah, later on when we talk about how you guys work as a team cool. um, to pull back on that. Um, yeah, who wants to go first? Yeah, happy to kick off. Um, so my name is Shruti. I grew up here in New Zealand, but my family's from India. And oh, so yeah. I think a lot of my early desires to have an impact stemmed from living in New Zealand and going back to India to see grandparents and family there and seeing the crazy contrast. And it was beautiful and vibrant Mm -hmm. and dynamic and dirty and poor and corrupt. And New Zealand seemed really, um, you know, on the surface anyway, quite a peaceful, easy life. Certainly there's issues, but on the Mm -hmm. surface, I never really saw or interacted with them in the way they confronted me in India. And I think that's probably where the seeds started of why do I have the privilege I have and how do I want to contribute and what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. And I think that question has guided me, well, those kinds of questions have guided me to study economics and politics to understand those systems. And I was really drawn into business because I feel like business is where a lot of power sits in society. Yeah. So I spent a bit of time working in management consulting, wanted to, wanting to understand that world. And the more I went into it, the more I realised, um, yes, there's power, but the whole system is built on a set of beliefs that we've put into people for so many years and rather than trying to change the old and convince business leaders to do something different which yeah. I felt quite young and not in the right place to do yeah. how do we instead educate the next generation and ensure that future leaders can really um, you know take care of our planet and run business and lead government in a way that's truly beneficial for everyone awesome. and that kind of journey has taken me into education and personal coaching and yeah. social entrepreneurship for me is really um, this way to feed my soul and, and bring purpose into business and it's a space that I find um, really does that so yeah. awesome. that brings me here mm. well, I mean I, I love this kind of one because <laughs> we're going to go deep super quick because <laughs> um, you mentioned there about like um, actually no I think let's do two as intro because I feel there's going to be a it's going to be some synergy yeah. Um, yeah and then we'll come back to some especially the system stuff I think yeah, yeah. What you mentioned would be cool. Cool. So I grew up in the country, and um, I'm an only child, and I didn't. But there was not many other kids to play with, so my best friends were um, the animals and um, and nature. 
and so I'd just hang out <laughs> on my own and and I um you know grew really strong relationships I guess with Papatunuku and um with different animals that were around and and I really cared about them and I saw a lot of pain going on um in the world around me and in our natural environment and and especially in animals and and I really I've always wanted to I guess um to help them and so I went on a journey of like where's the issue and where's the problem and um and saw that it was with people and along the way also I saw I really pushed um I really requested of my parents to to go to a certain school and I was privileged to have had a really good education and I saw where that led me um and that there was other family and prior friends that didn't have such um opportunities and 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 I was kind of like this is so silly um we're all equal and and how does this happen and mm-hmm. and I kind of yeah I guess all these different journeys of I took a gap year straight after school and and seeing um a lot of privilege and then poverty um I guess it's all kind of just merged into 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 being here and yeah. and I got involved at university um I kind of had bit of a quarter life crisis quite early on and was yeah. like what am I doing you know this degree for because um, I'd originally wanted to, to go into business and started in business at school we'd um, done the Young Enterprise Challenge and done quite well on that and then I'd been like oh I need a good, good degree to get a good job kind of thing yeah. as you get told by society and and then halfway through it was like this is not for me at all and, and I ended up being involved in running different programs and events um, in sort of the entrepreneurship space and then was working on social social impact and social change yeah. sort of things like engineers without borders and other humanitarian aid work and then I found that you could merge the two with social enterprise and I thought it was the coolest thing ever and started integrating it in all the mahi that I was up to yeah. and just got involved in different incubators and accelerators and um and then along the way, I've had my own sort of like personal transformation journey, I guess, of yeah. waking up a lot to the limiting beliefs that I hold about myself and what I'm capable of and the things that I've, or that I tell myself, I guess, and um, got really involved in yoga and I've done my yoga teaching and, and quite a few other sort of coaching things. And yeah. through that, have sort of merged social impact or social enterprise business and kind of this like personal awakening world. I think that answers your question. I think Isn't it that? does. And it's um, one of, oh, I just, I mean, I feel like another name for this podcast could be Told by Society. Mm-hmm. And just how, um, yeah, um, I just, I, and maybe it's something to do with like our generation. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure how old you guys are. I'm 30. Um, so it's maybe roughly in the same. Yeah, same I'm 27. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, and just, yeah, I guess, like, for both of you, like, there's this, like, acknowledgement of privilege, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so for you, like, to the school that you went to, and then for you, Shruti, like, being in New Zealand, but having that other part of you that's your mm-hmm. identity, you know, mm-hmm. um, culturally. Um, and I totally relate to, especially, um, so I'm from South Africa and moved here when I was 15, um, mm-hmm. been here for 15 years now. And I thought once I turned 30 that, you know, I've been longer in New Zealand. Mm-hmm and I'd be able to get my citizenship. Um, but I still, I'm still a South African citizen and there's just something about owning and acknowledging, mm. right? Like the privilege mm. to be here mm. in this country. Mm. Um, but then also with the work that we're trying to do, um, 
to have something that like grounds us. Mm. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I think a question that popped up for me was um, what was some of the because you know I imagine that some of us be listening or you know looking for a tribe. Um, what was some of the stuff that sort of came up? So I think true to you called it like there were sort of these old systems. Yeah. And maybe they're the values and principles like mm-hmm. of that system, and then. You to almost mentioned it similarly um, around the stuff that we're told mm. by society. Mm. Um, like, what were some of the things that you were like, you guys were getting angry about, or like, something's not right here? Like, can you remember like a story or something where, like that that came up really strongly, and then sort of shifted, mm. I guess you or nudged you towards yeah. a different times of frustration at the system. Lots. Um, <laughs> I think, so in terms of a time that I got really angry, this one's interesting. Um, so one of the experiences that really shifted things a lot for me was I was volunteering, doing work with World Vision, the humanitarian yeah. NGO during high school. Cool. And so we had a chance to go to, the, to Cambodia to see the impact of the wow. funds we were raising. And that was like going back to India as a child, except instead of being told, you can't do anything, don't give any money to the beggars, they'll just use it on drugs we got to see the impact of our money and feel really empowered by the people we were meeting and, and really humbled by them. And there was, you know, one girl who told me how her greatest dream she was living at the time was to have food on the table, you know, to not have domestic violence and for a happy family. And I was a few years older than her wishing I had a car because I had my restricted, you know, it was yeah. quite a confronting yeah. conversation. And I had come back um, from this experience quite shaken up and it was boxing, it was just before Christmas and a bunch of friends from school were like, let's go uh, for Boxing Day sales. And I just freaked out at them. I was totally self-righteous and was like, what do you mean Boxing Day sales? Do you not realize 1.4 billion people living in extreme poverty? Why do you want to buy stuff? And it was just a moment of, I had this experience that opened my eyes, but the rest of the world isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't have been that person Mm -hmm. two weeks ago. And I think the broader thing there, I mean, since then I've certainly been on a journey of accepting and meeting people where they're at and not viewing myself as better or worse than others striving to but I think the underlying belief is one where consuming more is going to make us better and happier that's certainly one and we see if you type in most successful company it's the richest companies in the world type in most successful economy it's the wealthiest economy if you type in successful individual it's measured by how big your house is do you have a boat what's your paycheck what's your status so that measure of wealth wealth being success is one and I think tied in with that is just the ignorance of our, our ourselves in terms of the world we live in and the interconnectedness that we have with everyone because yeah. the reality is the food I buy is affecting so I'm the girl I met in Cambodia because if I'm not buying fair trade or if I'm buying certain minerals that's affecting mines where you know conflict minerals are and so mm-hmm. I think the ignorance we have just as to how interconnected the world is and how mm-hmm. my actions whether I realize it or not are directly affecting and indirectly affecting all of humanity and, yeah, yeah. and that's I think both of those are journeys that I've been on yeah. and right. and changes I wish we would see or experience more in the world oh man amazing yeah. mm. I want to ask you similar but slightly different question to you which is um, and I think part of it's come from how you focused a lot on your personal development mm. um, so what um, have you seen maybe for yourself or people that you've journeyed with like the connection between like self-awareness and then also, um, I think you, you sort of pointed towards the truth here around um, also like self-kindness 
Does that make sense? Like self-compassion. Yeah. Mm. Is it making making sense? Yeah. So the question is... And and how you then deal with, like, the stuff that you're, like, you know... um, I imagine you guys are always exposing yourself to what's actually the story. Yeah. And how do you, like, I don't know, manage that? Yeah. So, um... The question is, on my journey, how have I seen... um, people and personal kind of transformational growth yeah. and self-awareness and also self-compassion and self-kindness when faced with these yeah, sort of massive challenges huge that, challenge. yeah. yeah yeah cool um that's a good question um it's honestly coming from you guys i don't know any of that <laughs> <laughs> cool um it feels like there's lots in there <laughs> um so what I've found is um, I grew up quite angry with the world because um, I was like, you know, these animals and nature, why is it being harmed? Oh, my God, people, you know, and I went through the stages of anger about what I was angry at. Um, uh, I was angry at these people, and then I saw, no, it's not those, it was those people, and you, you dig close, deeper and deeper and deeper, like... Um, I've realized along the way that we're all just sitting in pain. Um, and so, yeah, I guess uh, on this journey of like personal awakening, um, I've, seen, I've seen how our anger can, oh, how to, um, our anger, like my anger along the way and my frustration and my, you know, I really came from a place of scarcity, and I st- still do often. You know, and and there's not enough, and um, and I'm not enough, and and all these things. And so, when I'm doing things, I'm actually often I'm often doing harm. Um, although I'm like working in a sort of social impact space, and I'm trying to do good in the world. So one of my frustration points was I remember we were organising this um, bike ride up the country, the length of Aotearoa, and um, was looking for a charity that we would fundraise funds for, and there's so many flaws in this whole thing, but um, in looking for that, it was a real struggle to find the place to put the money, um, because so much of these organisations, the people in them have have incredible intentions and things, um, but the money goes towards, you know, marketing and all these other things, and often the kids... um, actually don't don't see much of it and and that's really interesting with humanitarian aid work and I guess similar stuff to what Shruti was talking about before like I've been in a lot of those programs and seen that and and I found that really frustrating um and and so so I and and along the way reflecting I'd see all these different things that I've done and I was like actually you know I think here that I'm um I'm making a difference but but look at what's being left behind or what's being missed out or because we're running so fast we're forgetting about all these other things yeah. and and I guess I've had um, a bit of a journey around colonisation mm-hmm. in Aotearoa and I think that's a huge thing um, that we're, like so many of us are moving so fast that we that we don't see what's actually under all the stuff, we don't take the time to stop so Schultz talks about systems a lot and lots in the iceberg model and oh, yeah. if we actually look you know, we see this certain amount above the water of, yes, yeah. of, of the symptoms and the problems, and we're like, oh, well, kids need to be fed. That's the problem. Or um, anything along those lines. 
um, they need support of more support of families. But when you get to the bottom of the iceberg, right down the bottom, you can see the mental models that actually create the whole thing, and that um, I found that at the bottom of it is our belief of of not enoughness mm-hmm. within us as individuals, and then in society it creates this whole thing of collectively we're not enough and so um, we're not stopping especially I think I'm jumping all over the place here but um, in Aotearoa that a lot's missed around colonisation and looking we don't often stop to look at the past and the whakapapa the whakapapa our country um, the history what's going on and then seeing from that the ripple effect of where we are now and the issues that we have um, the inequality um the racism that you know so many challenges um and i think stopping to slow down is so so important and and it's my journey i've found there's been so many hard times of seeing seeing stuff that i didn't like about myself or the way that i've acted um but seeing that that was coming from the best that i knew um and so on that journey of of I try and check myself often, and we try and check ourselves often, and and, and ask each other questions and our team. So the truth, even e, and then um, so, and then another colleague, Louise, who neither of those two are here, but um, we're always asking ourselves and reflecting on like what's actually underneath our actions or what's going on, what's the thought yeah. behind that, and seeing that there's a lot of trauma stored in our society, these lakes of trauma that we don't really acknowledge. So is the connection like with the colonization stuff, like the idea that um, if it was like, let's say, turn into like a principle of something that might be ongoing, like one group sort of overpowering another and basically like um, demeaning, demoralizing and stripping mm. away the stuff of where value is for them based on, and then that's the connection to the not enoughness? Um, I guess, I guess, I, I just, I feel that, um, um, most humans, and they should kind of enlightened, we've got, um, certain beliefs about ourselves, where we are not so kind, which is, yep, they're not enoughness, and where we're not coming from self-compassion and self yeah. Kind and kindness to self, and so um, the colonization reference was around in Aotearoa that we um, often don't slow down enough to see, to look at the past and what's going on and how we're here. Um, yeah. And I think it takes through through really slowing down and looking at yourself and looking under the system. Um, Another way to look at your yeah. question as well is to link it back to the not enoughness is. Because we think we're not enough as we are, we seek validation or something to fill us outside of us. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, we run for money, we run for fame, we run for power, we run for domination. And if we were able to accept ourselves as being enough and gain that worth internally, then a lot of these negative attributes, wouldn't, we wouldn't have to resort, resort to them in the way yeah, we do. Yeah. So that's another kind of perspective yeah. to consider as well. Oh, wow. That's right. <coughs> yeah. The other thing I wanted to build off what Tui yeah. was saying around on your question around self-compassion um, and how that ties into this work. Um, as Tui was mentioning, a lot of us, particularly as social entrepreneurs, can feel a lot of anger inside us. And we've often had experiences where we've um, 
you know, experience something that's left us angry. We've been, you know, the victim of some issue, be it a woman's rights issue, a racist yeah. comment, whatever it is, and that, that can drive us. But we really feel if, if our actions are driven from anger, we're never really going to reach a sustainable mm. solution, quote unquote. Yeah. And we really feel the external world's just a reflection of that inner world. And so if we really want to achieve a lasting, peaceful, prosperous society internally, one has to be calm and peaceful and loving. And if every individual was peaceful and loving internally, of course, our structures would reflect that. Yeah. And that's where self-compassion and self-kindness is really key to accept that I will make mistakes and that's okay. I will mess up and that's yeah. okay. I don't understand the problem and that's okay. And I can choose to practice love toward myself and toward you, even though I don't understand you and why you're doing what you are. And from that place of love and compassion as opposed to anger and kind of, you know, divisiveness, we that's kind of our theory of change of how a, a truly kind of systemic root cause solution can be achieved for some of the world's big problems. Oh, wow, awesome. Yeah, and I guess for me, like, the anger one is that I feel like it starts there, mm. but then I feel like over time, mm. through self-awareness and a lot of stuff that you guys are talking about, it can be transformed into passion, mm-hmm. and it's the it's the like the spark, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like why we're we here, what are we doing, mm-hmm. you know. Then there's that the why essentially. Mm-hmm. That's you know, it might have been started with anger, you know, mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18 year old, totally. you know, shaking the mm-hmm. fist at the man, and then mm-hmm. you know, there's then the, I guess the experience then creates the tools here, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then yeah, through that experience again. Our minds change, our beliefs change, right? And then, yeah. And I'm conscious at the same time, for us, we've chosen a theory of change where, or or a path where anger doesn't work for us, but for others, it might be the right thing. And that's what they need. So it's, I'm really, we're really conscious of there's so many ways to approach the issues the world is facing. And and we don't want to necessarily say, oh, this is the right one. It's just the one that resonates for us, but totally still respect and acknowledge and honour those that may choose to operate from anger and maybe that's what they need in their situations call for and it's just a different yeah. mm. way of looking at it as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow, okay. You guys are cool. Um, <laughs> so are you. Awesome. So I think, um, yeah, so you guys, um, different pathways, different families, different backgrounds, mm. but we're sitting together here today. Mm. You guys are a team, you're working on something. Mm. What is it? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, so we all met along the way, I guess. We were, um, our whole team has all worked in sort of different realms of social impact, entrepreneurship, um, leadership development, and along the way have had this, have all felt um, this real resonance um, on, on how do we sort of integrate um, the inner work, the like, personal um, sort of awakening or transformation and social impact and how can we kind of um, bring these two together. And so we all met at different stages at different times and had this resonation and and only recently kind of, we're all working. Um, So I worked in a lot of incubators and accelerators and social impact space, um, Vinny a lot in technology and entrepreneurship. Louise in leadership development and innovation and yourself doing all the incredible things through consulting and running programs and events and um, a lot of coaching mm, social entrepreneurship incubator teaching yeah yeah business 
sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a f- sort of a few ideas and they've kind of melded together and so now we work um, on a different way of approaching complex problems. Yeah. yeah, do you want to say a bit more to that? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of our conversation so far has really led up to it. Mm-hmm. Rather than operating from a place of separateness, of not enoughness, mm-hmm. of anger, what does it look like to approach these problems from a place of connectedness, of involving mm-hmm. everyone? Um, and I think, yeah, what really draws me to this work is acknowledging that beyond technical or political solutions, we need a moral or spiritual awakening, as Tui has spoken about, and how can that be so core to what we do? And my experience in the business world is there's no space for kind of, typically for values or spirituality or intuition or feeling. You're in a corporate boardroom. Everything you have to say is, has to be backed by logic and data and reasoning. Yeah. Something doesn't feel right, you can't necessarily say to something is the right thing to do but doesn't make business sense, it often may not go ahead, depending yeah. on the leadership and, of yeah. course, the organisation. Mm-hmm. And how do we you know, shake up our existing institutions, organisations, from their current ways of thinking, which can be quite short-termist, which can be quite profit-focused, which can be, yeah, from a place of, even in the charitable sector, you know, we're fighting for the same pools of funding and we're competing and we're not really collectively putting the people that we're serving or the planet at the the core. So really taking people on a journey to explore a new way of solving complex problems, as Tui mentioned, that Mm. where we can connect with the earth and we can acknowledge indigenous wisdom, eastern perspectives, philosophy, spirituality, and really bring our own transformation into the journey of creating something and yeah. and that's something yeah we hope to create through experiences through labs innovation labs through kind of training programs there's different forms yeah, that we'll take yeah, yeah. but the vision is really bringing together that kind of spiritual or personal yeah. development work without again pushing forward a certain school away thinking leaving space for people to, to yeah. take that as they like with the kind of entrepreneurship innovation let's actually build an idea that's going to have an impact yeah. and, and do something as well yeah mm. cool <clears throat> Yeah, um, I was trying to remember because I, I looked at the website just before. Because um, you had three part, there's three parts to your process. Do you guys know it? Or, I know because one of them was about execution, and then I think the other one was something like I guess around discovering, right? So that's so what's the deep work that needs to be done? And I know um, through yeah through Rui especially um, that that's a big part of what Louise does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's come a lot through. Um, yeah, on the, on, the, on the website. And then also, um, this is where I do have some questions, and I actually hate that I wrote them down. Um, but I think, yeah, I want to sort of drill down. So um, one of the things I've sort of embraced lately is that I'm a bit of like a method junkie. Cool. Um, you know, so chuck a framework in front of me, and um, you might lose me for a couple of days. Mm. Um, I just get my fix. Um, and so on your website, you mentioned, like, you know, building on the work of others. Mm. Um, I'm not going to ask you to name them, but, like, I guess, yeah, for, it's probably just for me, like out of curiosity, you know, what are, um, what, you know, and you mentioned zero change before, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, okay, I actually got a question here. Yeah, what's the new story, like, you want to empower participants, so across all those different expressions, um, to tell about the impact they're hoping to create? Um, so, yeah, so people, you know, maybe someone's, shows up and they're working in manufacturing one business or mm-hmm. you know there's some existing structure in terms of like how they're going about doing it um yeah what's the impact of what you're doing on a participant that goes through yeah yeah labor experience 
We've been thinking about this all morning, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, do you want to speak to it off that? Sure. Sure, yeah, I can go ahead. Mm. Um, so I think the vision for the individual coming through, so say we've got this ocean labs coming up for an individual that comes through that lab, it's kind of multifold. On one hand, there's a really big focus in our process around connection and community and really connecting to each other, to people working in the same sector, to the land, to the water itself. So there's one outcome is really around feeling more connected and able to collaborate and work in unison so that we can have a greater coordinated effort without me on my own kind of running away, which is what we see a lot. There's one really around your own personal transformation, as Tui's talked a lot about, around growing your own self-awareness, understanding how you work, what triggers you, what your strengths are, what your role in the team is, uh, being able to manage your own well-being, calm your thoughts, really find a greater sense of inner peace within you that we think will help you be a more competent and effective change maker. And then thirdly, really around practical tools, around mapping a system, coming up with a new innovative idea, executing it, and really actually running an, an actual project that's going to positively impact the problem yeah. that your business organization is working on. So really community, the inner development, and then the kind of outer or the tangible project and having yeah. more confidence in, in awesome. doing such things. Mm. Anything to add? No, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And so like, I guess like with community, is there, um, yeah, try not to like, I guess read too much in it. Is there a specific like reason again like why that's important mm. um yeah like you know and, and it could be even broader like from your experience as well like what's the role of community like in doing mm. impact work mm. yeah nice question yeah question um i think a lot of us in impact work um feel like we're going at it alone like it can be quite a lonely world um and the value of that i found the value of that is like um it's just unbelievable in, in my journey and in my mahi. Um, and often in different, like in different systems, so for instance around the Horehi Gulf or Tukapa Moana that we're focusing this particular lab on, um, it, it can be really easy to work in silos and for people to work on a project over here and another work, people working on a project over here and this, it's not this collaboration. And so a huge part of, of what we're interested in is, is how can we all work together? Because um, Daniela Pepe-Thornton um, talks about tackling heropreneurship, talks about um, a lot of us think that the solution to a problem is like this one big organisation and, and you know, um, it's an entrepreneur that starts that and they solve everything. But actually when you look at anything that's really created impact, it's a network of all these different organisations, policies, um, communities that really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And so for us that's so important. And a lot of our mahi is not about people starting something new, which a lot of programs can be about, yes, yeah. but actually maybe it's a pivot in a way that something's already been done or a collaboration or partnership. Um, maybe it's a policy change. It's not necessarily yeah. um, mm. starting something new. So, yeah. Was it, did that answer the question? I think we got there, yeah, because yeah. cause one of the things that highlights is, um, especially like if, I guess, from entrepreneurship mm. and then the um, the stories that get celebrated, mm. you know, like, versus saying, like, you know, I can imagine walking out there and saying, you know, name your top three entrepreneurs mm. and you might hear someone by the name of Mark, Elon or Jeff, you know, mm. come up. And, yeah, and it's super interesting. And I think, yeah, it totally resonates with my journey, like, and a little bit with what I'm trying to do where, yeah, I've gone from thinking, you know, like impact could mean with a business, could mean employing a whole lot of people mm. to 
how do I focus on the one thing, mm-hmm. the one thing that I can bring? Mm-hmm. Um, and so deliberately building something around that um, has been super interesting. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. I think it's made the collaboration easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard someone talk about like moving from competition to co-opetition, mm-hmm. you know, um, and yeah, we can, we can actually increase like, you know, a number of bottom lines, you know, um, mm-hmm. obviously a major one for um, personal sustainability and with how our world works is the financial one, but there's also like social, cultural and environmental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I guess, you know, like with what you guys talking about, you know, with Ocean's Lab, there's, there's the obvious environmental connection. Mm-hmm. Are there other connections that like might not be apparent from like how the lab's going to work to either like cultural, social and then economic? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess something that I wanted <coughs> to refer to before around talking about that is if we look at nature, um, it's, it's holistic, it's you know cyclical, and we think often in this entrepreneurship world that it's, again, that one person, yes, yeah. um, and how much we can learn from nature, and also indigenous wisdom, mm-hmm. um, that together all, all ships raise tides kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as far as the oceans lab like a huge part of it is is indigenous wisdom and is um is gaining knowledge from all kind of parts around the gulf um and and i guess sort of like politically and economically bringing that in as well like we we don't know what the projects are that people are going to come out with but really looking at the whole and understanding the whole system like for instance the hodohi gulf um is the way it is and is obviously ailing um, due to a number of issues. It's not just this, we can't just sector off, oh, here's this part of water and there's all these issues, but it comes down to the way our city's yeah. built, the way um, even our mindset about money and, and, and plastic and pollution, you know, that ends up in, in the Gulf. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to add that with all of this and, and with the lab and, and the things that we were talking about before and a network of collective sort of solutions is... Um, you alluded to, we talked about learning from a lot of others and, and the whole thing that we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Like there's been people doing this mahi for years and years and years and often we forget about that and we're trying to start something new but um, a lot of what we're talking about is there's people from around the world, you know, Otto who does Theory U, um, Thomas Hubbull who does a lot of work around healing trauma, um, there's organisations in New Zealand like Lifehack who have given the most amazing resources that we've learnt from and um, just wanted to share yeah, how awesome. important we find that mm-hmm. is and, and acknowledging those other people as well and that Definitely. we got here because of them and mm-hmm. not forgetting about that and, yes, yeah, and yeah. so much Indigenous wisdom too. That, mm-hmm. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was listening too much, I didn't come up with a question. Um, <laughs> um, well, another thing I wanted to touch on, because uh, I think we've got about five minutes, um, is because, um, uh, Shruti, and you mentioned this quite a bit, is around the theory of change and calmness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> so there's a couple of things. Oh, actually, yeah, and I guess it, like there's one thing um, I read probably not too long ago around you know, the ability, like, our, our ability and maybe inability to be creative when we're in a stressed mm. or, like, you know, flight or survival space. Um, and, 
Yeah, which is, you know, like if you're, if you're angry, I almost want to say angry, angry, and like a little bit like, what's the word, vitriol, you know, you want to mm. cause harm. Um, your ability to see the big picture and develop a solution um, is almost non-existent. Um, and so I think, yeah, like maybe the last question is, no, I don't know if there was a question there, but just, yeah, super interesting, like maybe I'd like, I'd be keen to maybe hear more um, about, yeah, like maybe this all could be like, maybe like a tip thing, yeah. um, which is mm-hmm. like, how do we bring like, I guess, more calmness, mm-hmm. um, you know, centeredness or like, um, you talked about quieting your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a cool thing to like mm-hmm. almost wrap up this part mm-hmm. and, and then move into our quick fire questions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and I think that would be a cool practical tip, especially when, like, we're like, you know, doing impact work, like, it's never a straight line. I mean, any work's never a straight line. Yeah. Um, so just something that would be super useful for someone to, like, take away. Yeah. Yeah, great question. And I think there's hundreds of things out there that people can do, but I'm happy to share a few that I found have really worked yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, noting that it's kind of each person is different. Um, one is just some kind of practice around meditation or mindfulness. So for me, spending 20 minutes in the morning sitting down and watching my breath and chanting a little bit really helps give me kind of a centered start to the day. I find journaling a really good practice and being really a space to kind of observe what's going on emotionally, mentally, and how can I process and work through that so yep. it's not kind of sitting there unnoticed. Mm-hmm. I find time in nature is amazing mm-hmm. and it's so healing just to mm-hmm. go for a walk in the trees or go for a swim or just sit in my garden, which isn't a fancy mm-hmm. national park. It's in yeah. the middle of a suburb in Auckland City. Yeah. But just to be in a green space, I find that is really great at quieting the mind. And I think as you kind of alluded to, there's many creative things that are good. So whether it's music or art mm-hmm. or other kind of forms of dance, I think yeah. each person's got things that draw them. Yeah. Kind of doing any task with mindful awareness, being conscious of what I'm doing and being in the moment in itself yeah. can be very calming. And I think what stresses us in the inverse is not being in the moment. When we think about the past and it doesn't yeah. mm-hmm. hasn't gone the way we want, we have feelings of regret or you know other mm-hmm. such emotions. When we think about the future and we worry about what's going to happen, we have feelings of anxiety, both which stress us out. So by yeah. being in this moment and accepting it as it, as it is and you know, and if you can either um Eckhart Tolle is a beautiful author and this has written a great book called The Power of Town. He says mm-hmm. In this current moment, you have two options. You can either take direct action on something that you want to change, and if so, do that, or you can accept it as it is. There's nothing else you can do, yeah. and thinking unnecessarily will cause more of that stress. So I think this practice of just accepting or acting and then accepting mm. is just a daily kind of moment-to-moment thing mm. that I found. I'm certainly not there, but bringing yeah, this yeah. slowly more and more into my life brings greater um, calmness and ability to be more productive and effective and just happier, I think, as mm. well. Yeah. I think the thing that we've start or we've observed, and and if you look at any successful like entrepreneur or anyone in most things, um, you, I think you hear the same thing of like the more you do that, like your productivity exponentially grows, um, and I've definitely found that like you start to realise how much time you spend doing things that aren't actually effective or going anywhere. Um, yeah, and something that I just want to add is is around team and um, if you're operating in a team, how awesome it is to have um, just times that you check in or and you help each other to 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 act mindfully. Like even at the start of a meeting, having like a two minute mindfulness or just silence um, to land and to ground. Um, 
and things like that, little mm. little rituals are really, yeah. really powerful. Awesome. Yeah, which I think, like, in a roundabout way, brings us back to that enoughness mm. right now mm. is what, what mm. we have, right? And, mm. um, yeah, and if you're here now, then there's nothing else you need yeah. to mm. make it work. Totally. Mm. Awesome. Um, I know you guys got to shoot off. So three questions. Um, as an organisation that you think everyone else should know about that's doing, maybe it's impact, maybe it's, yeah, or you're impressed with them or you just love what they do? Um, I actually think in this space I really love um, the tackling heropreneurship stuff from Daniela Paper-Thornton um, as far as social impact and, and theory you. Um, and then there's like lots of epic mindfulness um, organizations. Sorry, that's more. No, that's all good. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, so the Singing Institute is mm-hmm. what the theory you methodologies come out of. Um, where if you're interested in kind of systems thinking, kind of mindfulness mm-hmm. and innovation and design, there's a really cool amalgamation, and they've inspired mm-hmm. and influenced me a lot. Um, but also, I can't name a name off the top of my head, but often just grassroots organisations that get on with it. Because sometimes I feel like we're just in meetings and making slides yeah, and talking yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for the, you know, the Red Cross that's on the ground or the people serving soup on the street and actually just being with people. And I, we're really conscious of how do we make sure we do that and don't just get stuck up in an ivory tower in a way. Yes, so yeah. people that are actually just doing things and not overthinking. And that's what inspires me a lot. Awesome. Um, a book... And I've set a book or an idea that's like, yeah, that's either one changed you or like maybe it's one of your like mantras that, that yeah, that's like changing, I guess, your life or. Um, mm. um, oh, there's a few. Um, a quick answer, I'll say. Um, the surrender experiment, which Ruth actually recommended to me. Yeah, that's yeah. all good. Cool. Um, the idea for me is the power of listening mm-hmm. and listening to what's being said, what's not being said, what's in you to someone fully with full attention, respect, mm-hmm. yeah. and being open to what wisdom everyone has to share with us. And that's mm-hmm. big for me. Cool. And then last one, um, you guys can take him on this. Is what do you have coming up? Mm. you want people to know about mm. so we've got um, the Takapa Moana or Horeke Golf Oceans they're coming up um, and we start that from the 29th of October there's a four day intensive until the 1st of November and then there'll be about two to three months following that um, supporting these um, participants um, on their ideas and so it's all about how do we restore the health um, of the Horeke Golf um, so we, our applications have closed and we've, mm-hmm. we've had our participants kind of selected and we had awesome. an amazing pool of applicants so we're super, super excited. They're awesome. Um, so there'll be stuff going online, following it, um, sort of sharing the journey, things like that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So where can people like find out or stay in the loop with what's happening? Right? So check out thespiritlab.co and there's an email sign up there. You can also find us on social media. Yeah. This is our very first pilot, so yeah, it's cool. new and nervous and exciting for us. But following this, the hope is to do a few more such programs yeah. next year as we learn from this. So yeah. if this is of interest, there are plenty more opportunities to get involved um, as well. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Thanks heaps, guys, for being on Impact Sessions. Thanks, Thanks Andy. Andy. <laughs> cool.